Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast that rocked, a weekly podcast that talks about rock and metal news, stories, and everything else in between with a lot of random tangents going on because my brain is just scatterbrained like that. My name is Luke and I'm flying solo for the first time ever while trying to do this. I kind of wanted to prove it to myself, but also just because of the way um, time schedules kind of conflicted for other people, I figured this would be the good one to try to test out to do solo. And don't worry, there's going to be more guests coming up. I have one planned out for next week. However, I wanted to go over some of the bigger things that happened this week in the world of rock and metal news and everything else, because there's been a lot that's gone on both for band-wise and real-world-wise, meaning like the real lives of musicians outside of the stage, and just everything else going on. And the biggest story that broke probably is an unfortunate one. Dave Mustaine of Megadeth has announced that he has been diagnosed with throat cancer. That hurts because we have had several musicians in the metal world diagnosed with cancer over the past few years, and sometimes it works out okay and they can battle through, and sometimes cancer rears its ugly head and takes them. As soon as I heard that news, I thought of Lemmy from Motorhead. And that sucks. And that's one of those awful, unfortunate situations that Lemmy really fought through for a long time. I remember not getting to see him in Welcome to Rockville 2014 or 15 and the canceling for that because of his condition. And I know a lot of Motorhead shows were canceled around that area too. The reason I bring that up is because Megadeth have a lot going on right now. I just, for starters, they're in the middle of making a new album. They said they wanted to have at least one or two with Dave at the helm. I remember, and I don't know how that's going to really affect everything going forward. On top of that, Megadeth's cruise, Mega Cruise, is supposed to be going out this fall. I don't even know how that's going to affect that. If I had to imagine, the cruise will still go on, but maybe Dave might not play, or at least sing. And that is huge because that cruise had been a year in the planning and that was not a cheap ticket to get on that cruise ship. So there are a lot of big names to go on that cruise that Megadeth was headlining. There's Anthrax, Saints at Armor, a bunch of, a ton of others. And man, cancer is so bad. And then you, on top of that, it strikes probably when you could not be any more busy. You really have to push your, you push your entire life to the side and deal with cancer front on and that's unfortunate and it really hurts to see another one of our metal heroes go and have to go through that and i wish the best for this man because dave mustaine has had a career for himself you can go all the way back to the metallica days see how that worked out fighting through and starting megadeth the ups and downs with that band and he still troops on you know he still keeps fighting it i think he said in his own words that he is very optimistic that he can come overcome it and his physician saying that he has a good chance of survival. That is huge to get a prognosis like that about throat cancer saying everything, there's a good chance that everything's going to be okay. And that's what I'm really hoping for for this man too. I don't think Dave Mustaine's done. And I really think he still has more to contribute to the world of metal and his music. I remember about a year ago, he said he wished, like I said before, he has at least one or two albums left in him. And I can see that, too. He still has that fire. He's not the trope that just goes on the Fox News rants. His music quality is still pretty strong. And we all laugh about different bands as they get older, if they can still contribute or not. Ever since Megadeth came back with Kiko and like the new lineup of a couple years ago, I think that reinvigorated Megadeth. So I, I am not a betting man. 
And trying to bet on anything like situations like this with life or death is always messed up. I at least feel optimistic in the news that Dave Mustaine can fight through this and he will be back. And I really hope it works out that way, too, because like I said before, Dave Mustaine has been through a lot in his career, so I can see him returning. I'm not going to say it soon. Probably won't be for a while. That's not something where you just go to the doctor in a box, the clinic visits, and just say, okay, here's your antibiotics. You'll have to take these for three weeks and you're all set. No, that's serious treatment. That's life. You put life on the side and you go for cancer treatments and things like that, especially throat cancer. I can't imagine how miserable that must be for like um, just everything involved, having to get that treated and ugh, ugh, sorry. I hope the best for the man. And I really mean that too. And I think a lot of people agree with that. Whether you like Megadeth's music or not, uh, you have to agree. He did not deserve this. And here's hoping he can fight through it. Here's hoping that his family's okay. The band Megadeth, everyone involved, his biggest supporters, his road crew, hopefully they are hanging in there with him. And there's something good that could happen for him in the future too. Keep your fingers crossed. Send him well wishes. Dave Mustaine actually is the guy that does pay attention to stuff online. He's not Mr. Completely Social Media to the extent where he's going to at, like reply to all your ads and tweets and things like that. But he's still somewhat aware of everything that goes on online. So I'm pretty sure if you send him your well wishes, he would appreciate him. He's that type of guy, too. I wanted to start with that story first because, of course, there's always going to be some morbid news in the world just because of life and how that goes on. But that was an important one. One of the cooler things that's going on right now in a unique entity is the return of Static X. It's the 20th anniversary of Wisconsin Death Trip. That album was a big deal for me growing up 20 years ago. And now that Wayne Static is no longer with us, we have a fill-in singer, I guess you could say, who wears a mask and it's got that spiked hair just like Wayne had. He has taken the helm with the original lineup of Static X and they are going on tour as of this week. I think they had some their first show in the Southwest United States. There's videos all over online now. I know one of the tour photographers that's going on the road with them. This is a full production. They are not just half-heartedly doing this, trying to rake in a few extra bucks and capitalize on 20 years of success that people remember long ago from the heyday of new Metal. This is a full show, and I've seen the videos online. I've got the responses. People dig the new singer. It's a good tribute to what Static X was, if you want to see it th that way. And I really... I'm kind of shocked because when I first saw the news about a fill-in singer with a mask and the hair, I didn't know what to think. I didn't know if it was going to even sound remotely like it or if it was just going to be going through the motions. Because we've seen bands that like have had fill-in singers or replacement singers before either work greatly or strike out miserably. And from what it looks like, this is being dealt with as a tribute to Wayne Static as well as the 20th anniversary. And I think that's what's kind of highlighting it a little more, making the blow easier. And on top of that, uh, the live videos that they're posting, they sound good. The music's there. I, he set, does a good voice and fits in with the music. Not to say replace Wayne Static, but like actually does it justice, I guess is a better way to say it. That I never would have expected in a million years. Static X was a band I grew up with. I know a lot of other people have too. But when Wayne Static passed away, and I think in 2014, that was a blow. That was unexpected. I don't even know 
how they came to this thought process outside of expecting the 20 year anniversary thinking, is there anything they can do? Because this could not have been a spur of the moment thing. And if it keeps going the way it does, because look at those crowds at the live shows that people like took cell phone footage of. I think there was some higher end production video work too, like from the actual crew. There's a good turnout for these shows. This is not just the barn grill sessions that hopefully you see a band from yesteryear come and crash and just kind of relive the heyday. No, this is a full set and they're touring with Dope, if I'm not mistaken, which is another big name from back in the late 90s. That's awesome. I love it. I love the idea that like there are bands that can actually do something like this. Again, not to replace Wayne Static and what he did, but to really pay tribute to the man and a tribute to the music of 20 years ago because that Wisconsin Death Trip album was pretty intense, but it was also something very unique in a world where everyone was trying to make a new metal name. This was a band that was capitalizing on everything in the right way. If you haven't heard Wisconsin Death Trip in a while, listen to it again. It still holds up, and it's still very extremely unique in a world filled with, um, how do I say this, plain vanilla all over the place. I would still take Wisconsin Death Trip over a lot of the albums that have come out over the past two or three years that are just the same riff, the same solos, the same drum beats, the same topics being sung. And yes, Wayne Static, Static X would go off the deep end a little bit. If you ever heard the song Love Dump on Wisconsin Death Trip, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's not exactly Shakespeare as it's more, man, I don't even know what, I just compared Shakespeare to Static X, man. Okay, let's say this. Shakespeare would have loved Static X. I think that's a fair way to say it. I think he would have gotten something out of it. I just want to add this, though. Totally worth checking out if they come near you. Unfortunately, they're not coming anywhere near me. I'm in St. Louis right now. This is a show I would totally check out if I could, though. So if you are in the area, if the new lineup of Static X, the three original and the new singer, come to your town, check it out. Leave a comment, too, if you have seen this show, because I'm curious as to what people think. That's a big deal. I just love the idea that Static X has not only returned in a new form, but they are carrying the torch. So good for them. I say I'm fine with it. I mean, I feel like Wayne Static would probably be fine with it, too. This is a good way to do it. And it's unfortunate that we don't have Wayne around anymore. But hey, the music is still living on. And again, if you haven't li listened to Wisconsin Death Trip in a while, check it out. It still holds up. I'm curious to see what people think about it after all these years. In other big news throughout this past week, Universal Media Group. Man, that name just made a lot of YouTubers butt tighten up. Uh, yeah, me too. However, this is not the story you people think about YouTube claims and how they own the world and how they're in a partnership with YouTube now to help restore music videos. No, no, no everything's on fire. And I mean that literally. There was a bad fire in the Universal Studios main grounds where they held all the master tapes and a lot, a ton of original works from big names has been lost. And there's, there's investigations still ongoing. There are lawsuits now being pended from some of the original artists who had their original work, working sessions, tapes, demos, things like that, all saved in vaults that are now destroyed. I'm talking Soundgarden, Hole, Pearl Jam, big names from back in the 90s. Those original works like studio sessions and things like that, gone in the smoke. And now looking through it, I 
don't know how I would react to that either, because this fire was enormous. It took out a lot of stuff. And it wasn't just rock and like grunge and back in the day, too. Tupac Shakur's music was lost back in the day. You're not getting that back. You can't get re-recordings of that, man. There's a ton of stuff, but there's over... From what I'm reading off the actual news presses and things like that, the lawsuit charges UMG with breach of duty to care for the artists storing the recordings in a facility that had similar fire in 1990. In total, the plaintiffs are seeking over $100 million in compensation damages, pretty much. That is huge. And that is stuff they will never get back to. Don't think of it so much as, oh, well, we have digital recordings. We still have the final products. No, this was the original stuff that they made in the studio that they were working with and layering back in a day where digital didn't exist. These are the hard copies. This was the backup. This was the stuff that should never have been touched. And it's gone. And it happened at a studio where something like this happened before. Universal didn't learn their lesson. And yeah, that's a case of severe negligence. And now these groups are getting back together because they are suing for damages. They can never get this stuff back now. And (laughs) all joking aside, a lot of people have a bitter taste in their mouth whenever they think of Universal. They've heard a lot of people, they have stolen, they have flat out stolen a lot of money from YouTubers, recording studios, recording studios. They've stolen a lot of money from musicians, bands, everything you can think of. And they just got a punch in the stomach. Say there's egg on their face now is an understatement. And they're going to have to rebuild, try and beg for some type of settlements. There's no other way around it. There's no way. If this goes to court and keeps filing through, then Universal is going to be even way, way in the hole. So they're going to settle like crazy for all these individual artists that are pressing charges and pressing against them. Not pressing charges, but pressing against them. And I really don't know what I would do if you, I was Universal besides... You know, stop going after small people and trying to take their money that's not theirs. But that's just me. It kind of sucks because there. I would love to hear some of those Soundgarden demos that they had in the vault that were never pushed on digital. Even stuff from like Courtney Love and Hole. Whether you like Hole or not, whether you like Courtney Love or not, I know people have very strong opinions either way. It'd be interesting to hear what the original session sounded like. And now we're not going to. And it was like that for a lot of musicians. So it really does hurt, but yeah, that's just how it's broken down to. Who knows what's gonna how this is gonna play out, but it's been a crazy week for Universal. This whole fire, getting sued by many big names, and everyone's in the corner of the big names and against Universal, all while YouTube announced their partnership with Universal to help remake and restore music videos into a better light and push them onto YouTube. Because you know what? That's what YouTube needs more of. Work with UMG. Uh, I can't even blame Universal as much as that for YouTube. YouTube should know better by now. They know the situation. They just don't want to do anything about it. But that's neither here nor there. The big news is Universal's in a lot of trouble. $100 million worth of trouble. And I would not be surprised if they settle for close to that amount and try to do any type of damage control they can to make sure their other artists are at least somewhat satisfied and not willing to leave. Because if they do, they're going to be in more trouble. And Universal is contract crazy, and they have all the rights in the world to go after anyone they want, as they've been doing so online. But, man, they have had a rough week, and they got to do something to like pretty much put out the fire in a term of, oh, how do I say this? Think of that more as a metaphor, because the actual big fire, from what I understand, no one was hurt. Hopefully, if I'm wrong, please correct me on that. But man, this if you see online, just with the whole UMG and Universal Fire, it was huge in the vaults. 
So here's hoping everyone made it out okay. But other than that, yeah, music history, we lost some pretty good pieces of a lot of music this week. Another big story that happened this uh, week, not to go from YouTube to Facebook, but it's all wrapped up now. And I feel like people might have blown this out of proportion a little bit more, but it's definitely interesting. Facebook went censor crazy again. And it's not so much on the story that you might think. What happened was with Facebook, they started to go um, covering a little bit of Led Zeppelin's album cover artwork. If you ever seen Houses of the Holy, You'll notice it's a bunch of what looks like kids climbing up and this monuments or these rocks and waterfalls and things like that. And what Facebook decided to do was sense like you see some bare butts on. Yeah, they decided to censor it. And boy, the Internet had a field day how they're censoring art. And that's what it is, too. This is art. This was not meant in any this album work is not meant in any perverse or sexual way. If you are getting something out of that artwork, you have problems. Do not listen to this podcast or support rocks in any way, you sicko. But that's majority of people aren't. That's just what this artwork is. It's just a piece. It's nothing. It's literally nothing. And Facebook, I think, really went to town just like trying to over censor and it's most likely just an analytic thing. It's like, oh, um, there is software now that can censor what looks like a butt. Butt software, butt analytics, butt imaging. Okay, I'm just making a lot of these words up now. But still, you get the point. There is software that can actually auto-sensor and auto-filter, things like that. So when they know something has a butt, man, there's going to be a lot of weird comments about this one. They can actually automatically censor it and just leave it as is so that way whenever it's posted or any images that comes up. And then they started banning things, though. So not so much even censoring, but actually clear out banning it as something lewd and things that should not be on Facebook. Here's the thing. This album's not new. This was not a new post in 2019. This album was older than most people have existed. What the heck? I Going past the whole point of this is not a sexual piece in any way. Again, if you get anything like that out of looking at this image, you got your own problems. But... This is not news. And Facebook being a little overzealous and trying to censor anything they can, I think it came back to bite them. It has nothing to do with Led Zeppelin either. I mean, yeah, it's their artwork, but still, this is all on Facebook too. As of now, they reversed their ban. Now the album artwork is free to see. It's that whole Michelangelo David's piece again. Oh, we can't censor art. It's just how it was made and how it should be respected. Okay, yeah, but... Talk about just going overboard. Led Zeppelin's probably even, some of the reigning members of Led Zeppelin are probably going, uh, what? Facebook? Who cares? And that's what I say about overzealous too. I think people blew it out of proportion. And I'm glad Facebook reversed the ban. They shouldn't like really just completely censor something innocent like that. But dang, guys. <laughs> People lost their minds over this. Every news outlet uh, for music was reporting about it. Loudwire, Revolver, I think Metal Injection had something on it too. I mean, everyone just lost their minds. How, how dare we? How dare they just ignore art like this and try to censor what Led Zeppelin did? Okay, fine. If all about preserving art, but... Jeez, everyone lost their collective minds. I'm glad it's back, but dang, guys. One of the bigger albums that came out this week was Hollywood Vampires Rise. I did an album review of it. If you're listening to this on YouTube, you can check the YouTube card or the link in the description for that review. 
There have been some mixed reviews on it, let's put it that way. I've never heard anyone say this is flat out trash. I actually have heard it skew more to the positive side, which is pretty impressive. And considering the names, Alice Cooper, Joe Perry, and Johnny Depp, who is a talented guitarist, no one, nothing to shake a fist at, you would expect something pretty solid. My input of it was, I gave a 6 out of 10 on my review. If you want to have more in-depth again, you can watch the review on YouTube. It's fine. It just sounds like three musicians and a studio session band members having fun, playing music. And that's fine. I've seen people like really rank it higher than that too. Alice Cooper does sound good on it too with his delivery. It's a very repetitive jam band rock style. I made the joke about it being dad, a dad band, like that band that you see at a bar and grill of dads just playing on the weekends, covering their favorite songs, having a little fun. It kind of has that vibe to it, but with the talent level way higher, top tier, you know. I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards Hollywood vampires because of the names involved, and they're going to give them a lot more credit. Again, if I ever got a chance to see the show, I totally would. Alice Cooper's still amazing, you know? And I feel like people are going to inflate the quality of this album just because of the names involved. And I feel that's, it's understandable. Again, the album's not bad. I just feel like I'm not really interested in really going back to it anytime soon. Nothing that made me rip my headphones off and just go for, I just had to like bang my head against the wall to get the sound out of my ears. But it was still fine. And like, are there going to be more super groups like this though? Because this is a unique entity. It's been around for years now too, Hollywood Vampires. Whether you want to call it a side project or just an actual group of guys wanting to do this and make something serious. Because now it's starting to look like, with new material mostly, with a few covers on this album. The Heroes cover's fantastic, by the way. Check that one out. That's actually something that actually got me excited to listen to Rise, is the cover of uh, David Bowie's Heroes. I feel... (sighs) Hollywood vampires are fine if you enjoy them. However, it's nothing worth really stopping your day to go check out their music. I can't see a ton of people blasting this in their car stereo or at home. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there are totally people for that. It's still, um, it's mixed reviews, but again, they're skewing towards the positive. I have not seen anyone just obliterate this. If anything, the worst thing I saw was like someone said, it's just kind of bland. And you know what? I'd I'd give it a little bit above bland because there are some shining moments, but it's nothing really writing home about, I guess I should say, other than, oh yeah, Johnny Depp's in a band. Yep, that Johnny Depp. And that's it, you know? I think it's kind of cool to hear and see something like this. If you're interested, check it out. But I think that's probably one of the bigger albums to drop this week. And for understandable reasons, too. And they're touring right now. People say it's an awesome live show. However, I feel it just didn't live up to whatever expectations I had. Which is kind of also an interesting thing to say. Because what do you expect when you hear Alice Cooper plus Johnny Depp plus Joe Perry? Sounds like you just took three random uh, action figures that have nothing to do with each other and had them fight each other on the floor. Except this time it's musicians and you just had them make music. Like, you, you can tell they know what they're doing, like they kind of belong together, but you know they're taken from so many wildly different aspects of their personal uh, careers and put into make music. I want to see that now too. I want to see Hollywood Vampire's action figures. Johnny Depp... Alice Cooper, Joe Perry, with actual moving arms and legs, 
And, oh, man, that probably already exists. What am I talking about? I mean, come on. There's already Alice Cooper action figures. There has to be. Johnny Depp had all the pirates uh, of the Caribbean action figure stuff. So, yeah, I'm sure it exists. Okay, there you go. Someone take uh, Johnny Depp, Captain Jack Sparrow character, and an Alice Cooper character and, like, put them in a little play set, put little guitars in their arms. There you go. This would be a good music video now that I think about it. Just like a stop motion style. I've gone on a little bit of a tangent right here because there's really not that much else to say about Rise. That was one of the bigger albums in rock and metal to come out this week, and it was okay. If you dig it, great, but yeah, not much more to say about it. So another case of someone's phone getting thrown around by a musician happened this week. These stories are not going away either, but it's just interesting from this name, Tom Morello uh, with Prophets of Rage. Tom's actually doing his own solo stuff now. And it's pretty solid. He's covering the hits on his solo tour while doing some original stuff, too. I mean, he, in my opinion, is one of the greatest guitarists to ever live. He never gets his heyday, and I think that's because of his political beliefs. And they are pretty polarizing, and understandably so. However, he still is one of the best guitarists ever. And from what the story goes, he actually took someone's phone and threw it in the crowd. Like, legitimately chucked it hard. So... First of all, this was in Chicago. And first of all, yeah, I get it. Everyone wants to take footage that they were there. Not a big deal. So if you want to get a selfie with Tom Morello, you know what? If he's not playing in the middle of working, it's one thing. Come on, man. You don't need that selfie footage that bad. Just to do, look, I'm with Tom Morello. I'm here at the show. Look at me in the front of the barricade. I waited since 4 a.m. to be here just to get this picture. Not even enjoy the music. Ugh. I, I just, I don't know. The selfie culture in concerts is strong. My opinion on that is, if you want to get pictures of your favorite band performing live, no matter how big or small they are, I get it. I'm a photographer. Hey, trust me. I know about capturing the moment's all a big deal. Don't completely ruin other people's experience, though. If you have your phone or a selfie stick or a GoPro and you're holding it way above your head or like two feet in front of you so you're blocking other people, what are you doing? Don't do that. You're making it harder for other people at that point. Especially if you're like a taller person or just whatever and you're holding it upright so people behind you can't see you, then they have to say, okay, I guess I'll just watch on this guy's phone. Like watch a little screen while he's recording video for four minutes on end. Come on, that's awful. If you're gonna do that, take your selfie, then be done. That's fine. If you're gonna record video, then hold the phone in front of your face or like in front of your body so that way you're not blocking other people's view. That's what I think is obnoxious. I'm not saying take it to the Maynard James Keenan level of no phones whatsoever. If you pull your phone out, you're kicked out. I think that's a little extreme. But I at least get why he does that though. And let's be honest too, while we're at it, all that cell phone footage, about 50% of it is trash. Bad video quality, bad speaker output, the audio sounds garbled and like garbage with the crowd behind it and everything. I think people are just trying to get that attention. And it's cool to have a memory, but you don't need video footage. You don't need that perfect selfie in the front row, you know? There has to be some middle ground. There has to be some type of get your picture and then put your phone down and don't block other people's view. Does Tom Morello have the right to stop the show and take a phone and throw it into the crowd away from the phone owner? No. I Again, I'd be upset if that happened to me. But at the same time, ugh, what do you expect? 
Put a phone in my face and I'll throw it on. Put a phone in my face on stage and I'll throw it. Live in the moment. That was the tweet that Tom Morello posted. And yeah, that's pretty brutal. Like he's standing by it too, especially if it's what it says. Like if you put a phone right in his face, because there's people on stage too. And that's what sucks. Like Tom Morello actually let a bunch of people on stage with him. Now that I'm watching the video a little more again, because I just saw the first one before the clips. Like, yeah, don't put the phone right in front of his face and like get a selfie. And while he's playing on stage, because there was a ton of people like trying to like jam with him. I'll put a link to the actual tweet that someone else, like other cell phone footage got from a fan. But yeah, yeah, Tom Morello probably was in the right to do that a little bit. That's like beyond um, getting in a personal space bubble, especially for the musician that you're trying to get a selfie with. It's like when white people like try to lean in and get a selfie that you're not expecting. Yeah, I'd be uncomfortable too, especially if you're trying to do your job. Uh, hashtag live in the moment. That's what Marilla posted. Yeah, I could see that. But what if <laughs> the art of like articles have been posting about this and a lot of musicians are really sticking up for Morello. And again, I get it. I don't know if I would have thrown the fa- like thrown the cell phone far like yards away. Maybe like smack it out of his hand. Or, that's one thing. If they smack it down on the ground or something, so that way they get the points. But yeah, man, <laughs> selfie culture. 2019. There's nothing more important than going to the concert than actually being seen going to the concert. Another tour that just started off this past week or two that's really started to amp up is the Disrupt Festival, sponsored by Rockstar. Think of this one as the replacement for Warp Tour, now that Warp Tour is finally done and not doing their coast-to-coast touring anymore. Warp Tour is only going to do like three shows a year in like stationary venues, making them three-day festivals or two-day festivals, whatever. Which is probably the right thing to do. Well, Disrupt Festival said, you know what? No, we're actually going to take all these bands on tour and make it less of a catastrophically chaotic mess that goes for 50 dates across the nastiest part of summer and makes all these bands miserable and it's just wild. And I get the appeal for Warp Tour. And over the years, Warp Tour really tried to diversify their lineups. Warp Tour was a mess, guys. Seeing it both on the production side and as a fan, Warp Tour was always just a big, long mess. Band, time, band times never starting on time. Some bands never showing up. Chaos and stages. Rainouts galore every day. It was just, it wasn't made to last. Maybe years ago, but when they're trying to do 50, 60 city stops with over 50 bands, it's just so much burnout, so much unorganization. I just so poorly organized. I think that's what really helps to put the nail in the coffin for Warp Tour 2 where they had had to change their format. So with Disrupts, it's not even a fraction of those bands. It's headlined by The Used, Thrice, Sum 41, and Circuit Survive, also featuring Atreyu, Andy Black of Black Veil Brides, Sleeping With Sirens, Memphis Mayfire. So on the surface, it's probably about 11 or 12 bands, which is already way better than 50. It's usually about two stages. And what's interesting about Disrupt is that it's not multiple stages like back and forth. For the first stage on the side actually has the first five or six bands, and then the main stage, whatever amphitheater or venue you're at, has all the later acts, like the used, thrice, Cirque survive, some 41, so on. I think this is a better alternative now for Disrupt and for fans that want to get that Warp Tour vibe without having to be at Warp's tour all day 
and not seeing all these bands. I think this is much better and more focused on the music, especially for the later in the day too, because these some a lot of these shows on the Disrupt Tour are going through the week. So say you can't get off work, off school, whatever it is, you could still actually go. And I know some people say, oh, there's no school in the summer. There is for some kids and some kids are in college. This way, you can actually make it for the rest of the show and not have to miss some of the bigger names like Thrice and Sum 41. Those are the two bands I'm most excited to see for covering this one. I like it better. I like this better than the chaos that Warped Tour was. And I covered Warped Tour the last three years that it was around. These Before it finally shut down and went to this um, three, stops, three stops in 2019. I think Atlantic City, Ohio, and California. That Atlantic City show looks amazing, by the way. I would totally go if I was able to. But I think that's the way it should be going for festivals. And if someone wants to do Disrupt Festival, where Rockstar helps sponsor it and gets good bands, it's a strong lineup for this style. And actually just something on a much smaller scale that's much more easier to organize and run with. Yeah, that makes much more sense. Speaking of Alice Cooper, we talked about Hollywood Vampires a little bit earlier ago. Alice Cooper's going on tour with Hailstorm and Motionless in White throughout the summer. That's a good ticket. I love Hailstorm Live. Alice Cooper is a phenomenon still in 2019. He can still deliver strong. I think that's a good show. But what's interesting is the quote that Alice Cooper gave of why he wanted Motionless and White and Hailstorm to tour with him. He said, in his own words, he wants those fan bases. And I can see that. Why, too? Because Alice Cooper has his own fan base. But let's be honest, it's of yesteryear. Hailstorm is still going strong. They have already have their rabid following. Motionless and White has a strong following for that younger audience that, um, how do I put this politely? The Hot Topic vibe, that crowd really loves them some Motionless and White. Oh man, Chris Motionless is one of their heroes. And I can see why Alice Cooper would want to dip into that too. It's smart. At Motionless and White, they really benefit from this. Hailstorm, them getting to perform with Alice Cooper on a big amphitheater tour, that's huge for them too. To open up for Alice Cooper. Also, Man, I'm really hoping that Alice Cooper actually brings Lizzie Hale on stage to have a song. They need to do some type of crossover work because I think Alice and Lizzie together would be able to make something amazing. And Lizzie's done tons of great crossover work, too. She did that great rendition with Stone Sour of Gimme Shelter. And I feel <laughs> I feel like Alice Cooper and Motionless and White is a bit of a stark contrast outside of the visual appeal. When you look at Alice Cooper, it looks like he could be the grandpa of the band Motionless and White. But it's very different styles. So I honestly think what the best thing this could be, this is like a great introduction to Alice Cooper for the young fans who are just going to go for Motionless and White. And people will buy tickets just for Motionless and White. They do have that strong of a fan base. Same with Hailstorm. Hailstorm has a huge fan base now and they have earned it. I think Hailstorm is going to win a lot of people over from the older crowds that are going to see Alice Cooper and support him. They're going to be wowed by Hailstorm Live. And that's what's awesome. This tour is a win for a lot of people. And I really recommend people check that one out. I mean, I made my video about 10 bands you need to see live in 2019. Hailstorm's on there. People love them. I remember going to Sonic Temple with some of the guys from the Rock Coliseum and them being turned on by Hailstorm. They were always on the fence. And I told them the same thing for a couple, like at least two years. See them live and you will be convinced why they're so great. And that's exactly what happened. So if you're on the fence for Hailstorm, see them live. Motionless and, Motionless and White's a bit more of an acquired taste. I have nothing against Motionless and White. I may not be a diehard fan, but I have nothing against them.
And there are a couple songs there that I've enjoyed. It's nothing I'm going to rush out and buy and wear the t-shirt and sing the praises of. But at the same time, nothing against them. And Alice Cooper, yeah, see him now. We're at the time frame where you need to see all your rock and metal icons and heroes when you can. And this is an awesome show. So check it out if you get the chance. They're going to be touring all throughout the U.S. And here's hoping they go overseas for this one, too. And to wrap up, one of the final stories I wanted to talk about was it's been a year since we've been without Vinnie Paul. Pantera, hell yeah. It's been a quick year of thinking about this because when Vinnie Paul passed away, it was a big shock. No one saw that coming. And it's interesting to think this now because Hell Yeah is going to have their album come out later this year. Um, they've already released a couple singles, if I'm correct. And they're fine. I mean, Vinny finished all his drum track work, if I'm correct, for the new album. But the new album got delayed for obvious reasons after his death. So it'll be interesting to see to hear what we have from Vinny Paul. And from Hell Yeah. Because now that he's gone and they had an amazing tribute show at Aftershock 2018, they had so many people on stage singing the music that Vinnie Paul helped create from everything from Pantera to Hell Yeah and things like that. Just getting to see on stage Sully Erna and Jonathan Davis and Zach Myers and many other people. They had members from Gore, from King, from just any band you can think of. Seven Dust. They had multiple members from Seven Dust on stage all at the same time with Vinnie Paul's widow and Dimebag's widow all on stage too. And Jose Mangan from Sirius XM. The stage was filled with like 20 people all wrapping up this big hour long tribute show singing Walk Together. That was one of the coolest experiences I remember like actually seeing live. It was so intense and you could tell it was a celebration of a man. It was not Oh, boo-hoo, we're so miserable without it. And people are. We miss him. But at the same time, this was one of the coolest things to truly celebrate a musician that people loved. Everyone that I've met said Vinnie Paul was one of the most human people you can imagine. And what I mean by that is he was a regular human being that would always be able to, you could always talk to. He would go up to other bands and musicians and just talk to them and have normal conversations, invite anyone on the bus, laugh with them, have crazy barbecues and crazy stories down where he had his um, club. Let's put it that way. But he was so great to everyone. And that's what everyone always said. I remember Eddie from King talking about how King was performing with Hell Yeah on the road. And you would see Vinnie Paul just standing to the side of the stage watching King play. And then middle of the set, Eddie would go off the stage and just because Vinnie was pulling to the side, goes, hey, man, I really like that song you guys are playing. It's really good. And Eddie going, oh, thank you, sir. And then go back on stage and continue playing. Just stuff like that. It's, oh, man, Vinnie was like once in a lifetime type of guy. And it's been a year without him. And that new Hell Yeah album, I'm definitely going to listen to. I want to see what's going to be the last piece of work because regardless of what you think about hell yeah vinnie paul delivered he was the backbone and i know that's cliche to say because the drummer is the backbone of the band blah 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 no vinnie paul was the backbone he was a drummer's drummer you could tell he lived to be behind that drum kit so he's the man and he's still missed today and i hope we get something really strong to remember him for in that new hell yeah album
So to wrap up, I know I probably should have uh, brought this up in the beginning, but since you stuck through the, till the end, I just want to say thank you. Um, the podcast that rocked is now on Apple Podcasts along with Spotify and Spreaker, so you can hear this in audio form. Go ahead and just download it there, listen to it there. Anyways, fine, but please subscribe to the main rock channel and the YouTube channel, the podcast that rocked to both of them. That's where I get the biggest... Um, the most benefit out of that's what helps me out the most i'm still trying to get the youtube channel the podcast youtube channel up to a thousand subscribers so i can monetize the podcast on youtube so please tell your friends also if you're interested i have a patreon account that really helps me go a long way farther than the whole youtube mess ever since umg and other groups like really started to slam down on copyrights that aren't theirs and we're having to fight them one by one uh my revenue got just splintered off hard and i'm making a fraction of what i was about six months ago so if you can please subscribe but also please consider supporting patreon you get perks like getting to vote on upcoming album reviews and other videos and you get to hear and see some videos a couple days early too like the bigger ones one of which is going to be on one of my all-time favorites green day's dookie i'm going to be doing that for my yearly all-time favorite album review it's been 25 years since dookie was released and that Man, I remember that going into Target and buying that album as a little kid, and I still listen to it every from now and then. So you know it's lasted the test of time. A lot of people say uh, American Idiots, Green Day's best. I disagree. Dookie in my best. Dookie, Dookie in my best. Well, there's a quote. I think Dookie is Green Day's best, flat out. No comparison. I think this is them on top of their form. So that being said, there's a lot more album reviews coming. I'm going to have more... Uh, Fun things coming up on the Rock Channel. I have live streams planned. I have one live stream planned with my bestest best friend, the Dom, <laughs> Dominic Noble. And I also am planning out the next Rock Coliseum, which will hopefully be coming in July. Not sure of the date yet. I got to get with the other guys, but the plan is to have it in July. So please stay tuned for that. Subscribe to Rocked on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast, the Rock Channel on YouTube. And check it out on Speaker, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Finally, if you want to check out my concert photography, you can check it out on Instagram at GetRocksNet. The um, link is in the YouTube description. And finally, you can keep up to date with Rocks on Facebook and Twitter. 